0: Hello and welcome to this week's Tapping Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. We've got quite a big weekend planned this weekend, haven't we? Massive weekend of MMA. Literally, I think it's the dream event. I think there's so many people who grow up wishing they could go to a VIP Cage Steel 31 at Doncaster Dome.
1: With VIP escorting to your seating, or escort seating, is it? So we get someone to take us to our seats even
0: it's funny you should mention that because one of the things that we get with it is vip food and i've been keeping this from you but i did actually get a response so we've been chasing up um oh, put we've been chasing up because there's, there's a little mention on the vip tickets that quite literally says vip food doesn't say anything else so we're like well do we get food before? Is it going to be absolute garbage? Are you ready for this? This is the response and I we're got. we're giving
1: them, obviously, a huge amount of promotion here on our exactly. podcast. Yes. And they uh, free advertising.
0: I mean, it is like, what, 15 quid to watch the live stream? Fucking 30 quid a ticket, I think it was, <laughs> for a normal ticket. It's insane. Right, you ready? Go on. Thank you for upgrading your experience. <laughs> I haven't upgraded at all. Feels like an automated response straight out <laughs> of the back, because it's not what we are. you asked. but You'll love what we have to offer on the night. In terms of meal options, we have either chicken and chips. I told you, it was chicken. And that's it. It literally says. Yeah, we... wow.
1: <laughs> takes the uh, the choice out of things. The uh, the, the decision making process, doesn't it? So, chicken well,
0: and it chips. It is. It says food is served in the Icebreaker VIP bar between nine at six and nine. You're free to bring your food to your special VIP table if you wish, or. If you'd prefer, take a short break to eat in the VIP lounge. Regarding drinks, they can be ordered from your table via an app. Drinks will be served straight to you. Hope this answers your questions. See you at the show. Please enjoy your experience.
1: Well, we did say that we were the only reason we were going to plan on getting there that early would be to make sure we didn't miss the food. Now we've got we've we've got a range of six to nine. I think we can plan our uh, our thing a little bit better. We don't we can rock up there maybe at like seven. Go for a couple of drinks or something first.
0: What meal are you going to choose? Are you going to choose... Uh... Oh, I
1: don't know. Chicken <laughs> and chips is, is... is it I'm siding with that, but equally, I really fancy chicken and chips. So um, theres a, I, I don't know if I'll be able to sleep tonight weighing up those two decisions.
0: Literally unbelievable. I don't,
1: I don't know what I were expecting. I don't know why I were expecting anyone else. I said it'd be chicken. Every event ever like that, it's always chicken. And I mean, that's been, chicken and chips could be worse. I like chicken, I like chips.
0: I don't like salmonella.
1: <laughs> I mean, chicken and chips, is that not Nando's, basically, but without...
0: Hang on. ...the spicy sauce? Let's, let's not. Oh, we, i tell you what, we can buy a bottle of Nando's sauce and take it with us. There you go. Slip uh, in jacket. And
1: because we, we've got a VIP escort today, we probably won't get padded down like the usual riffraff that are only going in normal. <laughs> so uh, thats I'll take a bottle of Nando's sauce with us and bang, we've got a, a, a Nando's... <laughs> cage side
0: I'm actually looking forward to it though um, in all seriousness I think it'll be quite an interesting uh, event to go to and obviously because we've got UFC 286 coming up as well it's definitely something to compare and contrast it's like we're going through the non-league and then we get to see a Premier League game in a few weeks time so
1: yeah I feel me and you are the more um, bigger fans of that will we'll enjoy it and as I said to you you tend to find in my experience of lower level MMA events You get bigger disparities between the fighters. You tend to find people who are nowhere near as well-rounded as they are in in the UFC or other promotions. So you get someone who's just a kickboxer, who's never done anything on the ground. You might get someone who's a a good jiu-jitsu fighter but can't stand up for shit. So you get some quite good mismatches. Um, I've been to a couple of smaller shows before. Um, uh, I feel, if I'm feeling sorry for anyone, it's our two lady friends that are coming with us that are
0: our... (laughs) I'm just going to stop you right there because... If you ever post on a podcast that we're going with lady friends, that 100% insinuates that we have been on Viva Street or down to Winston's to book some proses. Your vernacular,
1: I, I didn't want to sound sexist and say our missuses. but uh, so our partners, partners. Uh, that, 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 them, I feel sorry for having to watch five hours of low-level. MMA, and I'm sure they'll probably be boy shit this, but... Well, it's funny you should say event. that,
0: and it's funny you should mention about the sort of mismatches in style, because the one fight that I've had a look at, and I think it's a card of about 15 or something like that, and a lot of them I'm sure will get lost by the wayside and some of them will be just complete and utter dominant show-ins, but this one I've seen, Scott the Lion McHugh, he is a pro bare-knuckle boxer okay. from Leeds, Funnily enough, so, oh, okay. so uh, Leeds mean- lad, I'll be sporting him. He says uh, he he's the headliner. Well, he says he's set to take fighting to the next level. He's accepting on a late notice. Dagestan is. Oh, hang on! You don't get anyone shit from Dagestan.
1: <laughs> this is a problem straight off the bat. They are different breeds of people.
0: Uma Khan, the Scorpion. I'm gonna try and do this. Ibragimov, I think, and it's for the professional lightweight title.
1: I will tell you now, without knowing anything or ever hearing him before, the Dagestani wins. So
0: it says um, the records, Dagestani. You got
1: the records there.
0: Five to one professional MMA record. He is on a four-fight win streak, and he's fought all over the world, including China. Not sure how he can fight all over the world having just six fights, but clearly is uh, reached the main parts of the world. It says facts about Scott. Clearly they're on first-name basis with this guy, and uh want him to win. He has an eight to four professional bare knuckle boxing record he's a three times bare knuckle champion and he fought ufc veteran desmond green so does this mean
1: it's his first but the fact that his record is in bare knuckle fighting is this his first mma fight
0: i assume so it doesn't say that he's ever against
1: Dagestanis who again without knowing anything about him and could be doing the gentleman a complete disservice I'm going to go out on a limb and say will be a monster grappler
0: he's a wrestler yeah so the Leeds guy's fucked
1: <laughs> <I don't... laughs> we're going to go I absolutely tell you now he won't be able to He's not got no takedown defence and he's going up against people who are probably the highest level wrestlers with takedowns in the world so I'm going to tell you now the Dagestani will ground and pound him into victory
0: worse comes to worse you can get into the ring and you can defend him then, can't you? You can take him down. You've from done the sound obviously one of it, kickboxing. I've
1: probably got better takedown defence or at least could fight off my back slightly better than Mr. No MMA fights and fights bare knuckle. I, I think our Leeds
0: man is in for a rude awakening from the sound of that. I disagree. I have followed his career... Since the very uh, beginning of his professional bare knuckle boxing, we'll come
1: on to it, and you really are quite the tipster. With now a record of <laughs> seven and zero against you, so I, 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 I take it then you're going for our le- uh, Scott to win.
0: I, I am. I feel like you've been quite generous <laughs> with seven, and I think because I think it's closer to about thirteen. Um, but yeah, I, I better not back him. I just basically it's, I'm becoming the Drake. Aren't that I sounds it? like the complete. Antithesis in some ways of what we were talking about,
1: which is a mismatch. You've yeah. got a stand-up fighter who's never even had an MMA fight, clearly a striker, bare knuckle boxing. The Dagestani is a very sweeping generalisation from that part of the world, but they are all usually brought up doing sambo, expert wrestling skills. So We that might end up with like blood all over his table. We could, and I've... Uh, I have factored that in whether or not to wear my white shirt I don't know if I want Scott's blood all over it from the sound of it when he's getting pounded on the floor by... Ah, now you say uh, that.
0: If you do get his blood all over it, when he goes on to become a 10-time UFC world champion, you can then sell that shirt and say, he's bled on me before. There's two points
1: to that. One, I don't have enough nice shirts that I could wait without washing it to wait for that too. I don't know if I've got that much time on my hands to wait, so I think if I do get blood on it, I'll just wash it.
0: I did think you were going to say I don't have that much time left in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I I
1: probably don't either. But um, we will give you an update, people, next week about the
0: cage steel experience. And hopefully you haven't been sent to prison for getting involved with the cage uh, or anything like that.
1: Jumping in to protect Scott and locking on a triangle choke on
0: uh, the Dagestani. (laughs) Um, In more public news... UFC 285. It's finally here. The return of John Bones Jones. Very very excited about it. Can't hide that I'm not.
1: Um, not a bad card, but equally, does anyone really care about any of the other fights on this card? Bar John Jones's heavyweight debut.
0: I don't. I mean, I, I had a look at this because it was something that has been raised. And quite a lot of people talking about the same on Twitter and all and the social media saying. I'm basically watching it for this fight. And I can understand why there doesn't it's seem to be not a strong card is no. it? Like compared to a lot of numbered events. It doesn't feel. Um... But you say that, other than the Aussie card, has there been a strong card recently? Because it does seem to be. A lot of these recent UFC numbered events seem to be very top heavy.
1: Um. Without having literally stacked, but you t- you tend to find there's at least two or three. I would say they d- they don't tend to be stacked all the way down on the full cards. Um, maybe I mean certainly um, it was very much that way with Makachev. Uh, Volkanovski didn't you know Rodriguez? Um, uh, I can't remember the chap that he fought and beat. Uh, wasn't exactly a massive co-main event was it um so i i agree with you to some degree i mean i think probably the best card i mean even when we're going in two weeks time outside the top two that's fights, what i'm saying it's yeah. not particularly stacked is it we've got obviously uh you know what who we're going to see in terms of leon edwards um our man defending his title and then for me personally i'm very excited to see justin gagey fight uh, up close and live but up, down from there, it's not super stacked. So I think you're probably right. Um, a couple of things that just jumped out at me in terms of uh, the card itself is we've got, I say long awaited, is it maybe, but um, Bo Nickel, who we have discussed on previous episodes, UFC debut. Very, very highly rated collegiate wrestler. Uh, you know, one of the most hyped prospects to come. Into the UFC in a long time, I think he fights Jamie Pickett, who um, is a bit of a veteran, thirteen and eight record. So he's you know up and down. Had, had his losses with his wins. Quite a seasoned uh, veteran. Um, that one sort of jumps out at you. Um, and then you've also got uh, the third fight down at world well. You've got Jeff Neal, who is a very very good fighter, fifteen and four record, and probably a little bit underrated. Against um, Rachmanov, who is kind of billed as the welterweight Makalev, so he's on a sixteen and zero record. I think he is. If he's not Dagestani, he's Uzbekistani again from from that part of the world. And it's he's one of those guys that kind of is. They've built him slowly, but he's just a demolishing machine for people. So that that's not a bad fight uh, for me. You've got the flyweight title for the women's at the co-main event, which maybe some people, Shevchenko for me is the best pound for pound women's fighter in the world. So, but even all that said, I don't think anyone cares, about John Jones.
0: I, I, yeah, I can't disagree for me. And this obviously has to come from the fact that I have only been following MMA and UFC for probably about a year, probably as, um, Longer than obviously I've known you, but or just shorter, sorry, than how much I've known you, but not as long as some other people might have potentially been involved with this sort of stuff. It's not something that really jumps out to me. There isn't fights that I can look through on that card that I would think, you know, I've seen quite a bit of him. He's been on another card or she's been on the other cards. John Jones seems to have just completely taken over this event. Obviously, the um, advertising is all him. It's all his face. gane's um, is—is it Gane or is it Gane? Gane, I think. Are we certain? Because I'm sure we've got this wrong before.
1: It—it it looks like Gane, yeah. that Which is, I'm sure that's not how he sounds. Because he's French. Gane,
0: he's French. Yeah. I'm sure it's Gane. Uh, so we'll say Gane then. So if we butcher his name and he, he batters us, I'm blaming you. But Gane has obviously been put to the side a little bit, which I think is a little bit unfair on him because of his accomplishments in UFC, but it it seems to be all about Jon Jones, no one else. Understandably so, but yeah, I don't think anyone really... You could put anyone else on this card, and I think it still would sell quite well. Yeah, I mean, there are not a lot of household names to say. Shevchenko deserves to be known more,
1: because now, since Nunes... um, lost her two champ-champ uh, status uh, uh, in, in the in the two women's where she held uh, belts. Shevchenko, for me, uh, Shevchenko is the pound-for-pound um, pound woman's best fighter in the world, and, and an incredible fighter. So she kind of maybe is sle- sneaking under the radar a little bit in terms of not getting the um, respect um, and attention that she deserves on the fight, but everyone's here for John Jones. Um, I mean, we I was having a look last night, so quick side note to this is so John Jones twenty-six and one. His only loss was uh, disqualification for in a fight that he absolutely dominated, a chap called Matt Hamill. Um and he was disqualified. The only time I've ever seen anyone disqualified for this for what's called a twelve to six elbow. So that's where you're bringing your elbow sort of immediately down, as it sounds, twelve to six. Um, And it wasn't like he was doing it over and over. And the ref gave him loads of repeated uh, warnings. Bang, he did one and he suddenly got disqualified in a fight that probably should have been stopped anyway. And Dana came out this week and said he's actually been trying, which obviously would help build the myth of John Jones anyway, and from a promotion for Dana's point of view, get that loss overturned. Because it is that one outrageous. I mean, you can get, I once saw, I believe, on something like Twitter, a speeded up video of the fight and it says highlights of John Jones only loss and it's basically two or three rounds of him beating the living crap out of Matt Hamill on the floor how it wasn't stopped it's the legend of Steve Mazzagatti uh, as a referee who now doesn't even ref in the UFC anymore but um, that's a a, a different story so Dana's tried to get that loss overturned so for all intensive purposes John Jones undefeated he's never lost properly he's got a loss on his record the wins he's had. This, this, the not necessarily in this order, but most of the uh, because of the, sometimes he's fought twice. But this is some of the people he's beaten on his and his record. Ryan Bader may not mean a great deal to, to a lot of people. Was good in the UFC. Ironically, now is the current Bellator heavyweight champion. Beat him. Shogun, recently retired. Rampage. This is when Rampage, like the real Rampage Jackson, uh, Lyoto Machida. Rashad Evans, all three of them, Rampage, four of them, Shogun, Rampage, Machida, Evans, all light heavyweight to former light heavyweight title holders. Uh, the one with Rashard Evans was a particularly grudge match because they were from the same gym, and they kind of said they wouldn't fight each other, and then did. It's really Stephen boring Bonner. fight. He has beat Stefan Bonner. I, he's the only one of the people I skipped out. That was earlier in in his in his career. He then bought Victor Belfort, Chael Sonnen, Alistair Gustafsson twice. One of them was obviously the bonus segment will come on. Glover Teixeira at the start of his UFC reign. Cormier twice, even though one was overturned um, for a positive drug test. OSP, Thiago Santez and Dominic Reyes. I mean, arguably, that is probably the strongest run of people that he's beaten in MMA history. Only other person you could argue who'd beat that many decent people and champions in a row would be GSP. little interesting side note that I went down a bit of a rabbit hole on last night. So the record of the people that John Jones has beat, the combined records. So all of the whole people he's beat, their combined records is 417 wins, 171 losses. To give you something to compare that by, Khabib, if we're talking goat status here, Khabib's record of combined people he beat 295 wins and 114 losses the one that stuck out for me out of this that i was like "Well, oh, that is quite astonishing george Pierre, his record of people he beat not uh combined record four sorry 494
0: wins 71 losses it's interesting you should mention that because that was one of the questions that i i had for you you are quite vocal and have been since we started this podcast that you believe John Jones is the, the greatest of all time when it comes to MMA. Um, I don't correct me if I'm wrong there, but I think you're pretty unequivocal about that.
1: Mm, I, I wouldn't say... I'm, yeah,
0: yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, he's number one for me, yeah. The question that I'm going to put to you, and you've just mentioned him there, a lot of people would consider GSP as the greatest of all time.
1: They're the top two. You could definitely argue either way. Uh, If I'm correct, I haven't got his record up in front of me, but I think GSP lost twice. One was to Matt Hughes at the time, who was the most dominant worldweight champion, and he beat him back. One was a shock loss to Matt Serra, which he also avenged. So he only lost twice. Both monsters, uh, one was a fluke, one guy was the best pound for pound maybe in the world at the time. And he avenged them both. They have to be, have to be one and two. They are, particularly, I'll be honest, my, 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 my mind was slightly changed when you look at that overall record of GSP's candidates. 494 wins to 71 losses. John Jones, 417 to 171. Khabib, That's quite telling. Khabib not in the conversation? Top five conversation, undoubtedly. and the Mount obviously Rushmore un- of UFC. Yes, and Mount Rushmore is four. Is yeah. It, I think four. Those would have to be three of them. Definitely. Okay. Um but for me GSP you knew what you were got you got with him. Uh he was quite sl- Khabib is the was the most one dimensional of those guys. GSP had more facets. John Jones is the most talented in terms of all areas. Um so that is that is pretty interesting. What that does lead us on to, and this kind of actually made me change my view a bit, is if we move on to maybe the Bonner segment. Of this week because looking at the relevance of it I chose John Jones versus Alistair Gustafsson from
0: 100 uh, UFC 165 in 2013 just for people who may have not listened to us podcast before so the Bonner segment is named after the late Stefan Bonner this is the point of the show which we would usually review and discuss some of the greatest and most memorable fights in MMA history um usually what we would do is we'll give our listeners a bit of fun homework in put in the fight to watch on our Twitter page and we always direct you to so watch that um Continue, sorry, since we that it's quite all right.
1: Um, so this was one where looking at it through hindsight, and again, I watched this at the time live, which I can't believe is ten years ago. Um, this is the first time I think I've properly watched it back since then. John Jones was made to look very bad by Alex Gustafsson. Never looked quite the same as this, by the way. So he had an outstanding night. If you were gonna, that was at your introduction, you've hit, heard the hyperbolic chat from me about John Jones being the greatest ever, and you watch this fight, you might think, what the fuck is Ian talking about? Because he looked decidedly average on this, and I've got to be honest, going back through it, I've got a few brief notes as we go through the rounds, he could have lost this fight. Some, one of the judges, and a horrendous decision for the scores, which, which we'll come on to, but. Round one, they're both, they're very identical in terms of both very rangy fighters, very long, both look sort of on the outside looking to catch the other one off with with, with kicks. John Jones has a, almost a signature uh, elliptical kick, which for, for maybe people uninitiated in some of the more technical phrases here, that is a kick which you throw from the side. Basically, aimed at someone's knee. It's a fuck, it's nasty, and it's aimed basically to kick them on the kneecap to hyperextend your knee the other way. It's a particularly, it used to be one of those ones that you wouldn't, would not be accepted as particularly fair. John Jones is brilliant at it, and it can stop people in their tracks if they get caught with a bad one. He does it throughout the fight very, very well, but, um, Straight off the bat, both, they're both throwing good kicks. They're both quite, as you say, long rangey, rangy fighters. Suddenly, from nowhere, good cut from from Gustafson, and he cuts John Jones in the first round. Um, um takes down John Jones first time in his career at this point he'd ever taken down. You know, you're sitting back like for someone who's watched John Jones evolve. Like Jesus, what's going on here? He does get straight back up. There's an eye poke. Both of them, John, John Jones in particular, is always known for throwing his hands out with his fingers out and he catches John Jones with an eye poke. Uh, and then there was, towards the end of the round, a round, uh, a flashy, particularly sort of John Jones-esque again, spinning back fist from him and a big elbow. But Alistair and Gustafsson definitely won the round for me 10-9.
0: It's interesting. So do you have the scorecards in front of you? Because I'm just looking through I know. I haven't
1: got the scorecards. I've got the three judges' decisions written down. I haven't got the scorecards. So
0: from looking through here, they have this as a Jones round. So Bleacher Report have said that this is a 10-9 Jones round. Said It's very, very close. Um, The best moment from Jones was the elbow, and the best moment from Gustafsson was the hard counter that made Jones pay for the low leg kick. Which was cut. Yeah, cutting. they said Jones has 28 strikes to Gustafsson's 19. Obviously, Gustafsson um, landed the takedown. down. Weirdly, they've got the fight metric performance rating as Gustafsson winning, um, which is like a, a weird performance thing that they do. But they're saying that Jones squeaked the round. I didn't think that one was that close. I gave that to Gustafsson for me. I thought that was... He
1: He looked the more confident. He was, you know, good work. They so, say, cut him, John, and takedown as well he'd never been taken down before. Uh, straight off the second round, John Jones again is very he he's not Khabib-esque with his takedowns in that he's relentless and season through but once he starts he's very hard to stop. Gustafsson stuffed him straight away. By this point I think this is say maybe a minute into the second round. Jones had tried five takedowns, all five had been stuffed by Gustafsson. It's unheard of with John Jones. You know, and you're really starting to look at this point thinking, what? Gustafsson's really making him look quite bad. It was a good head kick landed by John Jones. I've got here, it was a really, really close round. Um, John went for another flashy kick, and it was in a bit of a. Uh, Gustafsson caught it. John Jones dropped immediately to the floor, rolled it, tried to get him into a knee bar. Very good defence from Gustafsson that he knew what was coming and got up. But I gave that what That was a really close round. I gave that 10-9 Jones. Could have easily gone to Gustafsson for me.
0: I've just got the scorecards, the judges' scorecards up, just while you've been speaking about it. So every judge gave Gustafsson the first round. Every single one. Um, The second round, two gave it to Jones, one to Gustafsson. Okay, I mean, it's
1: just like, that makes me feel better because you were talking as though I was like, am I watching it? But it was—it <laughs> had to be Alex Gustafsson's round in the first round for me.
0: Bleacher Report, the most reliable yeah, source. Yes, fuck
1: you, Bleacher Report. Um, but there you go. So that, that, for me, had to be Gustafsson very clearly as well. Not a 10-8 ever near, obvious 10-9. Round three, good combos from Gustafsson. Jones starts using uh, that um, elliptical kick and an oblique kick throwing it at the, uh, at, the uh, at the thigh which makes damage as well uh, and he could start he's starting to catch his range with the kicks um and he say he's putting that elliptical kick to good use and you're starting to think to, to Gustafsson that's got to be wearing on him um but then there was uh again more effective control from me from Gustafsson um, there was a massive um spinning elbow towards the end by Jones but I'll be honest I gave that 109 line Gustafsson
0: uh, let's have a look one judge agrees with you 10-9 uh, Gustafsson was Richard Bertrand the other two judges gave it 10-9 to Jones although there's one guy who seems to have given just about every round to Jones we'll come on to that because that's the judge what? I'm like
1: what in know if you doing so round four so you're into the championship rounds now good left from 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 uh, from Jones to start you can start to see that Gustafsson's starting to fade he's looking tired now and the rumours on this one, which is why I kind of maybe give Jones a cut a bit of slack, is he didn't even train for this. So this is when we talk about a champion, and again, his legend didn't train. He had to go five rounds and he had to fight deep to win this. And it, it, you know, that's the heart of a champion to me. Jones goes for another takedown, gets stuffed again. By this point, Gustafson's nine for nine. Hasn't hasn't, you know, he's making Jones look terrible as a wrestler. He's very good. Blood is starting to pour from um, John Jones's face we've never seen it before um, you get a big spin and back fist from him Jones does what I call round stealing suddenly probably 30 seconds left starts to pour it on big knee and uh, an elbow clinches him against the cage and Gustafsson looks hurt for the first time and for me John Jones that last 30 seconds stealed the round you could have easily that one was a bit more clear for me but I've got that tied going into the final round two apiece so you had a 10-9 Jones. 10-9 Jones for me, that one. Yeah, every judge agrees with you on that one. That one, as you say, very, very close, but it was round stealing. The last, the, the last 30
0: seconds, it looked like Jones was beating the fuck out of him. So you've got it going into the fifth, just to clarify there. You've got it... Two apiece. Bang on, okay. Two apiece. Uh, round, I've got
1: round five. So now, following that big assault at the end from uh, from Jones, Gustafsson is now bleeding. Jones's face is... Banged up, and even the commentators say it's one of the only times I can remember seeing a fighter with visibly swollen lips. Even his but two banged up eyes; he's bleeding very badly from a cut arm, but his lips look incredibly swollen. Like so, how accurate gustafsson has been of hitting him in the mouth? Um, there's a stepping elbow from Jones, and Gustafsson's looking very light on his feet, considering all the kicks that have weathered from Jones. Jones, this is, there's a massive cheer for the crowd, lands his, tenth, his final tank down on the 10th attempt. Gustafsson gets straight back up, uses the cage. He's only down for like 10 seconds. So there's a big, that you think from the momentum for Jones and trying to take the round, if it's tied, he gets that. But Gustafsson gets straight up. You've then got a massive head kick from John Jones. Gustafsson just ate it. And you think to yourself, both these boys have got serious, serious chins. Um, Gustafsson's starting looking to look a bit spent. And right at the end of the round, there's a flying knee from John Jones as well, where again, he's using the very, we've talked about before, very high fight IQ. Knows what wins round and what the judges are looking for. For me, 10-9 Jones, so I had it 47-48. According to the judges, two judges agreed with me, 48-47 to Jones. One judge gave it 49-46, which is ridiculous to say. And from what you're saying then, so the only round that judge must have given to Gustafsson was the first. Correct. You can never say Jones won all four, two, three, four, five. No way.
0: For me. Interesting, so I'm just looking at the media scores as well at the time. So Sher Dog, 49 46 to Jones. MMA Junkie, 49 46 to Jones. Uh, Bloody Elbow.com, 49 46 to Jones. As I've just said, Bleacher Report, 49 46 to Jones. Fight Metric, 49 48 to Jones. So we've got two drawn ten rounds 10 rounds. Yeah. It's an interesting one. The majority have given 48-47 to Jones.
1: I mean that's just a stupid thing to do. you I can name in a genuine fight the amount of times I you get close rounds you I could not even tell you a, a fight ever that I've seen a judge a judges give a 10-10. Ten ten. That that's it. very I, idealistic doesn't seem based in the real world. you so say one in particular I had it as I think two. God, that was a super close round. If any of them were a draw, that would have been it. But for me, the number of people that you're, you've railed off and who are professional cage-fighting journalists, it should be said, who are far more uh, knowledgeable than me, never a 49-46. And you know me, i Jones is one of his most strongest advocates, but that was a close fight. And I don't remember him looking as normal and human, if you like,
0: as Gustafsson made him in that fight a lot of people saying that whoever won round 2 would have won it, so I'm just looking at the fans a lot of people saying I gave Gustafsson 1 and 3 I gave Jones 4 and 5 definitely, I think whoever won round 2 got the fight, uh, a lot of people disagreeing as you can imagine the networks, Indian Um but yeah weirdly, I'm just reading then he, this John Jones apparently came out afterwards and said yeah I lost that fight without losing so essentially accepts that he thinks that he lost the fight which he, after each round he's also very clever John Jones again that back to that fight IQ
1: every round which I don't remember him being a bit of a dick like this before he's, he's kind of walking off to the crowd you know as in to try and give the impression I the won judges. that round yeah. to get you know a bit of um, you know play acting if you like or, or giving that impression his demeanour often fight, as you can see when they, you know what I mean at that end when the Bruce buffer's putting them together. You can often see some guys are very yeah, I know I've won this. He looked flat Starson Tentative looked. about very tentative yeah. tent is a very good word yeah he he was definitely not sure he'd won that uh you know, and he has history of going into deep waters with fights. You know, there was a few of those ones we went through, went into the fourth and f- with the fifth, five-round five round decisions. I seem to remember Rashad Evans, that was the case. I think v- Victor Belfort, he beat him in the fourth round. You know, um, I think first, one first fight against Cormier was a decision. So, you know, he, he's he'd been into five rounds plenty of times. And he, 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 as you say, that's the most average I've seen him look. And as you say, he apparently came out afterwards and said, I wasn't even training and that just almost adds to the myth of the man that he can beat someone who put on that level and that good a performance and he still finds a way to win
0: Last question on Jones then because uh, we don't want to take up too much time just basically raving about John Jones and his, his previous uh, fights and such but my curiosity is about this particular fight this weekend so obviously we'll try and stay up to watch it, we'll see how wonderful that goes after spending all that out and done it but if he wins where does he go and if he loses where does he go because if he wins and he stays in heavyweight without Ngannou who does he go for Blades Pavlovich
1: Pavlovich would be my waits shout waits for Aspinall to
0: make his way back it's up he's going to
1: run through all of them the only thing that you could possibly do for me by that point this is where how much does the UFC believe in him and believe they can make the money you need to get Ngannou back
0: but they won't because there seems to be, for whatever reason, a breakdown in that relationship.
1: Dana won't, and I think that Dana and, and and Francis have had that fallout for what, if you like. I think Jones would quite like that fight. I think Jones seems to, from some sort, knows that that's the test, and he's been saying things along line. Francis knew what was coming; he did the right thing and got out beforehand. I think that builds after Jones smashes a couple of other people. So if I had to use my own predictions, I think Pavlovich would be next and get smashed. Someone else probably after. And by that point, you've got the world, the journalists, the public saying, none of these guys can touch Jones. We want Ingarnu back. And by that point, Garnu might have made his tens of millions of pounds boxing someone in his professional debut. He might be more inclined to come back and give the people what they want before it's too late. Because, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how old Nganu is, but I think he's probably the wrong size of 35.
0: Yeah, I think he is. I think he's
1: about 36. So he's, he hasn't got that athletic prime for much. And that's what people want. I mean, I'll be honest, even if you put Nganu in there after that, no one else really is there that I think... And I'll tell you what, I think John Jones does a couple of them, retires, but I'm done, like Khabib does. Out we'll on top. Late.
0: Pavlovich has got a fight, interestingly enough, against Blades coming up, I think, at the end of next month, I think it's
1: uh, late April. That will you... undoubtedly be billed as the contender sort of fight. Winner gets
0: Jones, whoever whoever wins wins, you know, um, It's a fight night, is that? Which is a weird one. I feel like that could have been a little bit more... Like tough, but.
1: given we always say and most people give the props and the respect to the heavyweights it feels like a bit of a natural lull at the moment in the in, in mma wise heavyweights um which is why i think they need in Garni. i don't think there's any other really big pull we always talk about this but it never happens there's the argument you could try i think if you had someone better it might work but you can't even try and go for the let's go for a cross promotion put beta, bellator in because Jones already smashed Bader at light heavyweight. So for me, there's no interest in that either. If you had someone who was doing a bit like fado used to do in other promotions, smashing everybody at heavyweight, then maybe that, because there's a the lack of contenders in the UFC, there might be more pull for Dana to, to actually do something like that. But Ngarni is the only one for me that gives him a, a fright. And that's only because Jones has never fought anyone with that kind of power.
0: Well, that's if he wins. So obviously, based on that, you're predicting to come through unscathed. Um, this weekend what if the unthinkable happens and he loses does he retire or does he go for the rematch does he drop down I don't think dropping down
1: is an option given how long a time he's put into his frame and physique and how much he's now weighing he's put a lot of time into this it's kind of the unthinkable and it um, it it's one of those that it's do or die I mean that that crushes his claim to be the goat, no doubt. Even though it's a new division, and it could be the breakthrough for Garney to be blasted into the stratosphere as the next. You know, I, I've said it to you before. I don't know if other people agree. After Connor, Connor is in a league of his own in terms of being MMA's number one star, and or particularly the UFC star. We go just talk for the UFC a moment. Jones has to be the number two draw for me, and that position is in serious trouble if he loses. But
0: don't see it it's interesting because um, I think the last time Jones fought was around the last time that Conor McGregor won a fight Is it something I like think that? he's been out of
1: the cage for three years yes, it's uh, about Jones. Three I think years it's three and years and a bit which again years. he's
0: been bulking up I
1: mean he's huge compared to, to the, the sort of very skinny frame that he used to have but there are questions this is not a walkover by any stretch Garnet is definitely the number two number one heavyweight after Ngannou, uh in, in the UFC I know Ngarnou's gone now but so technically that would put Garnet as the, as the top ranked heavyweight and does Jones' speed transition is ring rust ring rust is for real you know three years out of the game how does he deal with that how, you know the competitive he's getting on a little bit John Jones was the youngest heavyweight champion, the youngest UFC champion ever at 23, that's a long time ago now. You know, there's there are there's certainly questions to be asked, and it is certainly not a walkover for Jones, but I this is the times that greatness shows through. And if you are the GOAT, this is World Cup final, Messi. Come off the hour, come off the man. Is he gonna stand up? And if he is what I think he is, and what a lot of people say. This is time to shine. Does this put him above GSP if he wins? Do you know, I, I'm, I'm really... Since I found those stats out, as we, we talked about earlier, in terms of the total wins, it's really fucked with my mind, if I'm honest with you, because that is such an impressive... The record of GSP one, They've got nearly 100 more wins and 100 less losses than the guy that uh, Jones has beat. So that has to be factored in the level of competition. But... As we've always said, this is like pound for pound rankings. It's very, very subjective. It's my view. It doesn't mean for shit. And there's a million people who have a different answers. But they, ha- I would be shocked to know anyone who knows anything remotely about MMA that doesn't
0: really put them two as one and two. Just before we move off from MMA then, have you got a... Fight for us for next week on the bonus segment. And is it going to be another five round? It's not a five story? rounder.
1: In fact, it's the complete opposite. So this is as this is this is the fight that if I had one fight ever to show someone about cage fighting, what's it all about? Do you want to watch this sport? This is it. This is. I don't know. I haven't put this in earlier. My possibly favorite fight ever, and is definitely my favorite one round fight. So it's only one round. The amount of roller coaster moments you get in this fight, if you haven't watched it, watch it tonight because it takes about like, four minutes and it is superb. So, this is from Cage uh, Strike Force, it's not UFC, what 2011. Strike Force was um, a, a, a smaller uh, promotion that doesn't exist any longer. Um, so, I can't even remember what happened to Strike Force, whether Bellator bought it or the UFC bought it, but it was run at the time by Scott Coker. Who now runs Bellator? So it was the kind of the two and either two or third biggest promotion back in the day. So yeah, it had Fedor, this fight, I think it's well, for the welterweight title, Nick Diaz, Nate's brother, versus our own English, Paul Semtex Daly. And I'll tell you what, that motherfucker could bang. Semtex. Semtex is in the explosive. explosion. This guy, if you don't know about him, you could do a bit of Google. But Paul Daly was. In the UFC, because he had a really good running strike, for, blew up, got really big, fought a guy called Josh Koscheck, and sucker punched him after the bell. Because it was getting real nasty. And then, let me guess, never fought again. Dana hated him, blacklisted him, <laughs> kicked him out, and he was never allowed in the UFC again. And he was tearing it up in other organisations. But this is, I defy anyone out there, and I'm happy for anyone's suggestions, tell me a better one-round fight than this fight. So we'll put the link up on socials. Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly. Insane fight.
0: Ivan Toney. So uh, on the verge, potentially, of an England call up. Now facing quite a lengthy bang um, because he has recently admitted um, breaking the rules that are designed to, apparently, and we'll get onto this protect the integrity of the game. With regards to betting, um, I think it's well over 250 different breaches of the the betting rules. We don't know what these are. We don't know specifically what he's bet on, when he's bet on them. I'm sure that more will come out as things go on. You raised a really good point to me earlier in the week about the fact that surely that should be an absolute factor. If you're going to push betting sanctions on people and saying you can't bet on this, you can't bet on that, surely there has to be a limit on it because if he's betting on the Czechoslovakian second division and he's making minimal money off it because obviously he's got a significant amount of money, he's just doing it for a bit of fun, that's not something that can potentially influence the league he's in, the teams that he's in, any of his mates and he can't win his mates any money because he has absolutely no influence whatsoever on those games. As it stands, he's set to be out for six months. Is that a fair ban to come in for, for Tony? Is would you impose a different sanction? Would you say, as I say, would you limit the rules? This is the classic example to me of the court of public
1: opinion. We, we, I need more facts to be able to make an opinion on this. And the, 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 the this is he's been accused of breaches of these rules. What are the breaches? Context. In this crazy world we live in these days, context is always dropped. Someone said something in this way. Well, how did they say it? When did they say it? What? How were they taught? That is everything. And You can't just lose context. As you've just said, if he was betting on games that he was involved in or he had some kind of link, so let's say he... Got a mate's, you know, even the Premier League England game, any English game, he's betting on himself to score a penalty. Breach of the rules, there's a possible influence on that. That can't, that must be a breach of the rules. That must stand. If he is bored, as a lot of footballers do, because they're very well paid and they don't have a lot of time, and he's sat there, can't sleep which is a problem I I feel sorry for and he's suddenly having a bet on magnesium glycerate try that and he's, he's betting on the Australian third division for shits and giggles how on earth can we say that a footballer just can't bet on any football match across the world where they don't have some it's got it's the influence it's the outcome that's what these rules are designed for integrity to make sure that someone isn't Betting on himself missing, betting on the number of throw-ins in a game where they're kicking it out loads, that type of thing. If they are betting on something so remote and extreme that's far away in the same sport,
0: I think personally that's absolutely ridiculous. So, example for you, um, because it, this is something that I've got a, quite a few things to quickly rattle off. Um, I know that we've took quite a bit of time with the, the MMA side of things. so people My bad. The, you know, <laughs> passionate about John Jones. Um, Jordan Stevens in 2000 and I want to say it was 2019. Young Leeds player. I think he was 18 and 19 at the time off the top of my head. He was suspended for, I think it was about six weeks um, for placing 59 bets on football matches. I don't think it went into the, the reasons specifically. But, as I say, 19 at the time. I'm sure well quite a considerable amount of time ago you recall being 19 and you remember the bets that you will have put on just a bit of fun on a weekend at
1: 19 mate you had to go to the bookies well, well, like, back in my day there's none of this fucking like, two minutes on your phone and throwing loads of money down like that you Had to go to the fucking bookies
0: but, well, um, back in your day there were air raid sirens and um, shit. So.
1: not quite that old but um <laughs> do we know again though do, uh, i guess do we know the context do we know what he bet on
0: no, I don't think that... The, the, again, I'll get on to this, but I don't think it went into too much about what he had bet on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it was banned for six weeks. Now, he's, he's 19 years of age. He's not a, an older individual. And a lot of people will say, well, actually, Tony should know better at his age. He has been through the football leagues. He's done this, that and the other. My biggest issue with this entire thing and all this stuff about... FA regulations to do with betting is I think it's so incredibly hypocritical and it was raised by a campaign group dedicated to removing gambling adverts from football called Big Step and they stated on their Twitter page four pictures so they play, uh, sorry, they posted four pictures all four pictures of, of, of Ivan and Tony over the space of his career. Twice he's holding a Sky Bet Player of the Month award he's wearing Tony's Uh, He's wearing uh, Brentford's kit, which I think they're currently sponsored by Hollywood Bets. Um, And when he was at Newcastle, he had a sponsor on the front, which was Funny88, which is an Asian betting firm. The fact that the money is obviously with the betting firms for the shirt sponsors seems to suggest, well, as long as there's money in it, it doesn't actually matter in terms of the morals. So why are we then banning players that are involved in it? I don't agree with the match-fixing stuff because I think match-fixing is quite a considerably different matter at hand. And, out of curiosity, have you ever wondered why, when we look through midweek games and such, uh, and and weekend games as well, that you see some games starting at 8.15pm?
1: Not just for the licensing or the TV deals?
0: You would think so. However, I had a look at this. There is a a voluntary whistle-to-whistle ban that's been agreed by the bookies and they've promised not to advertise during matches before 9pm. That were brought in in 2019, and that means that any matches that start at 8pm or earlier can allow half-time ad breaks featuring the likes of like, Bet365, etc. So you'll see, quite often now, these 8.15 kickoffs. obviously 45 minutes down the line, just so happens to be nine o'clock. 9 o'clock. Ridiculous. No, no,
1: that, that, is, I mean, that doesn't surprise me, because I'll be honest with you, I think most times... Name me a football match. Certainly, I've watched recently that there isn't a fucking Ray I was, Winston.
0: I was going to say, I was going to say Ray Winston. I'm sick of seeing him. a hey, fucking
1: bet builder. <laughs> fucking bet on go. Remember goals, number of tackles, like yeah, every game. I seem to hear his voice on that bet three six five advert. And then you get, um, I'm sick. You, I'm sick of hearing every advert have to be caveated with but please responsible gambling. You get them now, don't Some yeah, of them, aren't helps. they actually advertising what fail safes they've got in their betting? Basically, if you're an addict, we can help you because we've got timeouts or we've got deposit limits or these other sort of uh, safeguards that they yeah. put in place. And to me, when you're advertising, this is what we do to stop you getting addicted.
0: Please it's keep betting with us. It's
1: probably something that's pretty
0: addictive. But it's, it's so bad at this point in time. I, when was the last time you listened to commentary on Talkspot for a game that were ongoing? A while back, probably, because obviously... It's been a while, tend to watch them on TV, yeah. unless I'm travelling. So, uh, there were a game this weekend, I can't remember what, but I listened, listen, a, a clip that's been posted. They actually now reel off odds during the game as part of a commercial deal with the bookies. That I have get.
1: heard that, because it's like often Durham, isn't yeah. it? Uh, so, our oh, bet three, six, five, they have that, or they'll go to, um, bet three, here's, uh, bet fairs, Dave, so, so and so, and he'll be like, oh, whenever a bookie tells you I like, or with the one that always cracks me up, we've bet boosted. We think it's so unlikely to happen. We're going to give you better odds, but we're going to make out that it's a good thing for you. We've bet boosted that Ivan Tony will
0: play in his next game. You now,
1: whatever it would be, it's it's it's. A he nonsense. said he's not
0: looking forward to his next game that will finish two all. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's. I, I don't context mind... context is everything. Yeah, I don't mind betting, and you do what you want to do, but you can't then criticize the individual footballers for doing that. Again, match fixing is completely different, but he's not. He's clearly not match fixed, has he? he plays for Brentford.
1: The thing that again. The sanction should fit the crime here as well. So, if we're looking at it based on if what we're led to believe—and again, it hasn't all come out—it's over 200 offences, and that's a six-month ban. Directly, that tells me they must be really, really minor breaches, and they've accumulated all that all up. Because for me, if there was one element of a like a match fixing, yes, one and done for me. And yeah. the same way as we, you know, we have to be consistent with some of our over opinions. Same as PEDs in boxing or or, or, or UFC. You test hot for, for performance in dry, one strike and out, done. So for me, if it was something serious like that, you're talking a year or a lifetime ban. So if it's 200 offences, and in total that's six months, I have to draw from that my own opinion, which is that they're very, very minor. There'll be some very remote league that they're totally unrelated. There's no chance you even know someone that could have played or influenced the game which is dog shit.
0: Absolute nonsense. Just before we move on, if you put on a £5 bet and in this, <laughs> in this £5 bet... I've been bet, waiting all <laughs> fucking week for
1: this and I fucking hope you're listening to whoever you are. I know you're one of his mates but I don't know your names.
0: So if you put on a £5 bet and your final leg was Liverpool to win, the £5 bet would have won you £15,000. You can cash out for between five and 7000 before the Liverpool game. What would you do? I'm going to be, I'm going to show a modicum of reservation here because you know me, it's unlike
1: me to speak out of turn or give my honest opinion. You're a greedy prick that has never watched a Liverpool match in your life. You had seven and a half grand to cash out before the Liverpool game and you held on. I'd blow my brains out if I were that person. (laughs) That's how horrendous I would. I don't know what he was thinking. You tried to counsel him to tell him to take it. I'm sure every single person did. The only logical option, greed. You got, in his mind, he saw 15, ah, oh, Liverpool. If you've, what, how, you were telling me, you were keeping me updated as it was going through the day. I couldn't I, believe it. I, I would have cashed it. out about three and a half. Be, I would have probably cashed out before City. This is a five pound bet. And I think at that point when you sent it, it to me, it was three, me, a it bit, was yeah. three six. Or so. Yeah. All day, every day, you cash out. I'm smiling for weeks off well, that.
0: That's what I said to you. For me, I said to him... Moronic. ...wait for the City game because there's no way, in my opinion, of the... Football, I seem to get right. When it's boxing, we'll ignore those best. But um, there was no way that I could see City not beating Bournemouth. They went 2-0 up within, were it 15 minutes, 20 minutes?
1: That 3 six, five, cash out. Absolutely. I didn't, oh, you so get he won the...
0: that leg. He was literally just waiting on Liverpool. Had to cash out. It, it had, had, to. had to. cash At the very worst cash out and then bang 500 quid on Liverpool to potentially win another couple of grand which obviously they lost because Liverpool didn't win uh...
1: zero sympathy if I'm honest with you mate because it sounded like everybody told him and he got way too greedy so I'm, I'm going to but I've been literally hoping you'd bring this up and if you
0: didn't I was going to sorry Curtis. Um... Curtis I know your name now <laughs> you mug <laughs> we'll move on to uh, um, time wasting then I, wo- ironically I won't spend too much time on this um, in January the International Football Association board the IFAB met in London and they oversee the laws of the game and how they're administered uh, its wish is to and I quote, create fairer conditions for both teams in terms of the amount of time available in a match a change in the guidelines rather than changing the laws with regards to actual playing time is expected to be ratified at the annual general meeting this Saturday but The discussions might mean that it could change the future of football forever. Now, one of the things that they've put forward is despite football being a 90-minute sport, apparently, it's going down the route of essentially what NFL does. Not quite with sponsorships, etc., but the amount of football being played in a match falls away short of 90 minutes. Um, Do you know when stoppage time were introduced, by the way? Random guess? 60s close 1891 okay to allow officials to add on more time to compensate for things like unusual breaks in play originally they were for long stoppages for injuries in recent years that's changed to adding things like multiple substitutions video assistant referee checks uh, celebrations silly things like that um the biggest problems that still remain one and this grates on me I i cannot understand why this still happens only the referee knows when that match will end Because obviously you might say, it's three minutes added on. You'll always hear a minimum of three minutes have been added on. Um, And then obviously the matches have differing durations of the ball being in play. So as a random example, I've got some uh, World Cup stats from Qatar. Um, You'll have seen how much has been added on. Uh, So the playing time at the 2018 World Cup in Russia was between 52 and 58 minutes. The average time in Qatar was just less than 60 minutes. Um, the time that was added on... So, added time indicated in England and Iran, 24 minutes. They played 27 minutes of added time. Uh, 13 minutes in Argentina, Saudi Arabia. There was 20 minutes added on, and so on and so on. The
1: first round, I seem to think, was horrendous. They, they, it, it they cut like it down, 12, didn't they? On. It yeah, Every it, it game was, was well
0: over 10. But one of the suggestions and if you've ever watched Rugby League, uh, Rugby Union is another example, is to change the sport from being a 90-minute sport, and this has been suggested by um, Marco Van Basten, uh, Matt Clattenberg, which we've never listened to him, but they've suggested it becomes a 60-minute sport. So the clock will stop every time the ball is out of play. So when it goes out for a throw-in, clock stops. When it goes for a free kick, clock stops. That would potentially suggest if you think about it that less football be played but I can guarantee you based on the stats that we've just said the ball is actually in play for much less than 60 minutes in an average game of football would that make sense for football to turn it from a 90 minute game to a 60 minute game could you see it working could you see it ever being implemented because obviously it's quite a drastic change and would there be a lot of pushback against it can't even believe you asked me that. What, you can't...
1: We're going to completely change the rules in one of the most fundamental founding points of the game, which is it's 45 minutes a half, to deal with extra rule changes that we've made. Just rewind and stop the nonsense shit of adding it on too long or the breaks.
0: So how do you, how do you come by then? Because I've just told referees you Referees
1: need to be tougher and more uh stringent with what and maybe they could reclassify the rules of when what's added on and what's not so time wasting some of the ones we talk about where people are rolling around maybe the referee has an element of discretion as to getting into the a a whole different other issues with refs and you probably create more argument the ref has some discretion just whether to stop the clock or not so if you think someone's rolling around time wasting for effect well, right, I'm going to carry on, kick the clock. That would be one immediate way, than changing one of the fundamental as- aspects of the game. It's so, crazy.
0: So, okay, I appreciate that. What if we had a stopwatch, for example? So, still playing 90 minutes, you don't stop the time like you would do in Rugby Union. If someone pressed a stopwatch every single time that ball went out play, I wouldn't say the referee, you'd have obviously, since we've got VAR, you've got official, people watching what? it. Yeah, fourth It could actually do a job for one, instead of just standing there and doing football. But let's say he pressed a stopwatch. How much added time do you honestly think would be added on then? We we must be talking 25 minutes per game, at least, for every time that ball goes out of play. Because otherwise what you're saying is if if that's too long, like they did in the World Cup, and you don't want to reduce the time so that the clock is stopped every single time the ball goes out of play, that you're happy not playing 90 minutes of football.
1: For me, though, surely the more obvious solution... Is the rugby league approach rather than let's drop the amount of minutes? You just basically the, cl- the clock carries on going. That sure, that would be a simpler. But the rugby way league approach is
0: that you do stop the clock every single. So the the referee has the discretion. So let's say you have a scrum and you take too long to do the scrum, the you hear the referee shout "time off," and the time will stop. If you keep it as ninety minutes and the the guy can stop the time, you're gonna be talking four hour games at the least, because the amount of times that they will stop the clock over 90 minutes, it's an hour and a half as it is anyway, you're going to double that if not.
1: I think a far obvious more choice is just let it play. So maybe you remove, you you recategorise stoppage time. So let's say to every time the ball goes out, that would be a prime example. has got clock carries on. If people then want to take 10 seconds and walk 10 yards further down the, the pitch, the clock's still timing if there is a particular serious injury or a type of injury that actually does mean you know the stretcher has to come on that's a stop so i, I think i would personally be far more uh, inclined for those kind of changes to be made I, you start messing with the amount of time the game is played over
0: I f- if that feels too far i do I get, get you say, your but point. the argument that you're making is that it should be 90 minutes long but the actual argument is that it's nowhere near 90 minutes long. So goal kicks, as another example, that's starting to rile on me as well. And teams like Everton do it quite often. Put the ball down, let's say they're 1-0 up. I appreciate you obviously you want to win the game, you want to run the clock down. But running the clock down is literally time-wasting. So with the people who put the, the ball down on the, the six-yard box, go back, you know, you see your keeper clicking his boots against the post. That probably wastes about 20 seconds. Those 20 seconds, considered let's say they do it four or five times, adds up. But it never gets added on ever and that you never get yellow cards for I, it which is the main it's thing a, it's
1: a logical argument and a logical way to deal with the problem but it feels like we're we're skirting round dealing with the actual problem which is the time wasting the sanctions be stricter with the referee with you know anything longer than five seconds you get a yellow card I mean there's I, again, these are not great selection by me these are just, just I just feel like once you start messing with the fundamentals of the game What's next?
0: I think. I mean, personally. what you're
1: saying—three teams now. It's not two teams. You put three. Yeah, do you what I do mean, do. It, 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 that's the, that's how to me how madness that changing the time of the length of the game seems crazy. I've never name me another sport that has ever changed how long it's, it's covered over. It's lucky I've got Google in front of me now. Do you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, it, I, I get what you mean. I get. I understand entirely your point. But the point that you're making is essentially you want the game to remain as 90 minutes, but you're not playing 90 minutes. That, that's uh, yeah, that's the uh, issue with uh, it. It
1: is. And um, I think uh,
0: stricter referees, stricter officials is absolutely the way to go. I 100% understand your point about it, keep it as 90 minutes. But I think that you've got to be at the point where I would input personally, I like the stopwatch idea as well, but you have to then potentially cut down the game to do it. Or, alternatively, you have to be quite strict in the rules in terms of what you can stop the clock for. Long injuries, absolutely, understand that. VAR checks are the main ones, because why am I getting two minutes added on for a VAR check that took me five minutes in the game? That's nonsense, and that's obviously nothing to do with the game itself. Substitutions, um, and when goals are scored. Those are the ones that are, are quite obvious that you could stop a clock at.
1: See, s- s- substitutions for me, I'd say the opposite. There is no reason to stop it because that is entirely walking over one of the whole changes that they're supposed to make, which is compl- I've never seen enforced. Is that you didn't have to go off? You're
0: supposed to go to the closest, You're supposed to go to the closest side. side
1: yeah. Which is how, name me a game? I think that was brought in two stopped years it. ago. Yeah, ever, it just seemed to have knocked <laughs> it on the head. So the one for that is for me, Yelp referees, out. no. I, I'm not stopping the time. So if you want to walk off, you're losing 1-0 and you're making a sub, you get your player to run off and the other player to run on because that time is still going down. Well,
0: but then the other team, if you're not going to stop the clock and you're not going to sanction them, the team that's winning 1-0 are the most likely to make the substitution. Yeah, I, I and as you say off. then,
1: the guy walking off, yellow card. You are clearly time wasted. Would you double yellow
0: card him? So if you, you go yellow card someone who's taking an absolute age to walk off the pitch, they don't change their pace, they continue walking at that pace. Would you say, I've just warned you, as your second, off you go, it's, it's, it, go it, it would sound ridiculously harsh, but it's one
1: of those things that you'd have to do. The first two or time three happened, it, w- it, w- it wouldn't happen very many times after. Someone gets yellow-carded for that. You know, someone who thinks they're trying to be a bit clever and they're fucking... Bang, red card, you're off. Now you're booked for a game. Well done, dingbat. Just because you didn't want to jog off. So I think that's the type of thing. It would take a little period of adjustment. But if referees were severe... And they did it once or twice. People would imagine your manager when you've seen that happen two times saying, do not you, you run off. Do not risk missing the next. Look at Nick Pope. Oh, very debatable. Arguably cost his, tie, his team the chance of a legitimate chance of having a trophy because of his moment of madness with the red card. Completely unrelated to what we're talking about. Imagine that's your key player and he's trying to save 10 seconds on the clock by walking off and gets red carded. As a manager, you'd be livid with that. You'd fine him. I think it's if you brought it in, referees were strict, people would cotton on pretty quickly.
0: I feel like we could have this conversation all days and I also feel like this is a conversation that's probably been had for the last four or five years and nothing seems to be happening with it. And We'll see, I suppose, what um, the International Football Association board come out with. I, I tend to agree with you. I can't imagine any wholesale changes because football is a very traditional game. Doesn't and... it just
1: feel the wrong way to deal with a problem?
0: That's that's That would be my yeah, interpretation. Yes I, enough, I can see but... your sense, but it
1: feels we're not dealing with the core issues. We're looking for a different way to address problems that we could deal with in a more direct manner than changing I just, the, I, I, the I, game.
0: I agree because it's a fundamental rule. You're not going to change it. But unless they start yellow-carding people very early on in games for time-wasting. The keepers, as I say, drive me absolutely mental when it happens. It happened at Southampton when we played them last. Keeper time-wasting from 10 minutes. If you go and book that keeper for time-wasting in the first 10 minutes, he's not going to do it again, is he? Because he's not going to risk getting sent off. But they don't do it. Never absolutely. Do it. Absolutely agree with you. Um, FA Cup, well, I don't want to cover this much longer, but um, FA Cup, an interesting set of results, to be honest. Um feel leads were a little bit hard done by, but that's what happens when a good team takes the chances as opposed to a team that can't finish the dinner. Um, we're going to be set for a championship, at least a championship side in the semi finals here, going to Wembley. We
1: are. I mean, because we've gone on a bit and I'll have my hand up about John Jones and then probably about time wasting. We've also.
0: We wasted, wasted time, time talking on, about time uh, wasting.
1: Ironically. Um, so I suppose if we quit, rather than maybe look at the result, quarterfinal draw, City-Burnley, interesting. And um, you've got Vincent going back, uh, obviously doing very well at the moment. I uh, don't know if they'll quite fancy their chances, but depending on which team City put out, um, that could be an interesting game. Man United-Fulham. Uh, Fulham obviously doing very well. Better leads, sadly, to get there. Man U seemed, I had a quick look, because um, this was the day Man U played when I was watching Liverpool. Um, against um, Wolves 1-0 down obviously my old man and some of my mates are Hammers fans so I was enjoying that looked at the end of the game
0: and it had won 3-1 just a quick one on that so there was a stat that put up by ironically a bookies on uh, Twitter saying that Ganacho had had the winner stolen off him so he scored the second goal in a 3-1 win they were 1-0 down is that a winning goal? no why? if he scores the second goal and then there's no other goals scored by the other team surely that's the winning goal rather than the third goal
1: it's just a I hear it it's a stupid way to discre- you can't really I think in a 3-1 do you
0: know what they called it? the go-ahead goal which I won't have in any but I think that's the winning goal anyway we digress t- a
1: winning goal for me is one if, if it's finished 2-1 yes that's very clearly the winning goal when it's 3-1 so is the that's... third
0: goal the winning goal?
1: I don't think he. I don't know. There is a winning
0: goal. You've got to have a winning goal because otherwise you want one. <laughs> Put that on. I swear. See what um, people say as that.
1: Sh- Chef United Blackburn is obviously the next uh, uh, quarter final that you're talking about. Will be a championship team in the semis. Have Chef um, United
0: got to the quarter finals? Is it three times in the last four years? Is it? I did Africa? not know that.
1: Something silly like that. Uh, impressive, and then the uh, the real outsiders, but equally. Brighton will be very fancy in their chances of getting to the semis for the first time in however long I would have thought that would be against Grimsby. I want Grimsby to win it. Can you imagine?
0: <laughs> no, I really can't. It'd be absolutely brilliant, but um, um, we'll see. We'll see. They're all on TV. First tape, time, you know, time
1: for it? a year, uh, for, for some years, that there's been that level in terms of championship guaranteed in the semi-finals. And as you say, potentially uh, Grimsby
0: as well that in, in the quarters. I think that's quite interesting for me. The cynic... Uh, in May would say that Man City and Man United have been kept apart in the draw quite specifically almost as if it's setting up for a final but it's not a fix at all never, never a is. fix is never. it never uh, yeah. the balls are heated in up NM, right I though.
1: don't like a conspiracy but um, City should beat them every day uh, if it happens but um, final point on football uh, if you will then is um Messi Scoring his 700th club goal for PSG in the 3-0 win. Uh, Very emphatic as well against uh, Marseille, at Marseille, who have got a very, very good home record. So uh, very impressive. So I just thought, seeing as uh, to to honour him, and obviously we've given him enough uh, respect during uh, the World Cup, I've got nine stats for you, if you would like to know about Messi. Go on then. I'm very excited for these. Um, throughout his club career, he's averaged a goal every 98 minutes. So that's shit bastard. At 840 goals at club level, 700 goals. So that's a goal 0.83 goals per game. That is in, for what used to be a winger. Obviously, he's moved a bit more centrally as he's got a bit older. But he was a winger. 98 minutes, that's crazy. He scored over 10 goals at club level for 17 consecutive seasons. Uh, between 2009-10... Well, how, and, how many goals at club level? Was, uh, over 10 at club level every year for 17 seasons in a row.
0: I do not seem a lot. 10?
1: Bear with me. Between 2009-10 and 2018-19, he scored over 40 goals in club football for 10 consecutive seasons. So where does the, the 10... Well, that would obviously basically be his first year. I bet he scored loads of other goals, but it's probably his first breakthrough year. Seventeen years ago, so he still shit. scored ten we're goals. Dog
0: shit in that season, though, aren't we? Probably Fair when he was sixteen, playing for Barcelona,
1: uh, he scored seventy-five goals from outside the box in open play, and a further fifty-two of his goals can come from free kicks. In the league alone, he's converted nine point one percent of the free kicks he's taken.
0: It's a shit man's world, Prowse. Of his 700 goals,
1: 84 have come from the penalty spot, meaning that 616 have come from open play or free free kicks. With his latest goal, he's only the second player ever to score 700 league goals. I'm sure you can guess the other twat, but...
0: Um, is he allegedly a rapist? Allegedly.
1: Uh, he is is... A good choice of words, that. Um, he scored 100 goals in... Sorry, 700 goals in 107 fewer matches than said other player. Alleged rapist. You said it, not me. Uh, Along with scoring 700 club goals, he's also got 299 assists. With that averaged in together, that's a goal contribution every 68.9 minutes. I mean, that's insane, isn't it? That is is
0: insane. I was going to say, we mentioned, obviously, the GOAT conversation UFC... Is there a conversation to be had about GOAT status in football or is it just quite clearly Lionel Messi? Not
1: even remotely close. He is the greatest by a head and in... Mount Rushmore should be him four times. Him three times. Him twice, Pelé and Maradona. I thought you
0: were going to say him three times. Suarez just stuck on head.
1: Um, he scored... Oh, do you have a guess? How many hat-tricks, all of which came during Barcelona, by the way? And I guess the number of hat-tricks...
0: 43.
1: Good guess. 48. Ooh, Good guess.
0: Close,
1: close. Uh, and the most common clubs he scored against are Sevilla, Atletico Madrid, Valencia, Bilbao and Real. 156 goals he scored against those five teams. Insane. The man is... The word genius in footballing terms
0: has to be used for him. There'll never be another like him. Never.
1: Ever. Ever.
0: To round off this week then... Um... As always, I got it spot on in boxing. (laughs) I called it, as I always tend to do, everyone taking all their betting advice from me and uh, obviously Fury beat Paul.
1: Don't see any way Tommy Fury wins this fight. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that your exact word, something like
0: that? I don't don't listen back to myself. Um, It were a bit of a phenomenon. I can't even say phenomenon. It sounded like the BN advert from years ago. No, 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 no. Not for the quality action, because the fight was dog shit, if we're honest. Um, eight round contest from essentially what is amateurs. The level of attention that these two have generated, that coming out of this, going into it, coming out of it, is unbelievable. Jake Paul has come out and said that at the moment they're expecting it to come in at around over half a million buys in the US alone. This fight was $49.99 in the US, which means they're looking at about $25 million from pay-per-view sales in America alone. Um, You saw the hype on Twitter. Do you know what the
1: record is? I'm pulling out of my memory banks here in terms of pay-per-view.
0: In boxing? Yep. Is it... Tell me who it is first. So um, I haven't
1: researched this, given what you said. I'm completely speculating, but I'm positive I'm pretty much there or thereabouts on this. It's Mayweather Pacquiao is yeah, the uh, top ever and I'm pretty sure that was 4.6 million pay-per-views Canal. that's the record it, As far, again I'm speaking without my research which could prove costly mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that is the record um, I think <sighs> Mayweather-Connor might be number two I I'm going to say is Mayweather-Connor just though. over four or three
0: something but yeah I'm, I'm... Yeah, it... What did you say? What was the number? 4.6. 4.6 million buys in total. I t- if
1: my memory for certain things in general life was as good as other things like that, I would be laughing. But yeah, that always sticks in my mind as that's your, that's your yardstick because that is the biggest ever.
0: As of May 2022, so obviously this might have changed by now, although I can't think of anything that would have changed it. It was Mayweather-Pacquiao, 4.6. Mayweather-McGregor, 4.3. Mayweather-Oscar de la Hoya, 2.44, Mayweather, Canelo, 2.2, and then Mike Tyson and Holyfield, 2.
1: I was going to 9. say, I thought, didn't Mayweather have four of the top five? Was my, again, Mike Tyson's in there that. a lot,
0: and then uh, Lennox. So look at
1: back at the... I mean, one, look at the jump that you... I didn't realise the numbers there. Look at the jump between three, two and three. So you go from 4.3 with Conor and Mayweather to two point something. What you also have to judge then is... That is an outstanding number for Tyson, because what people don't, that was just before pay-per-view was taken off back then. And it would have been live. Exactly. I mean, that's like 30 years ago. Like, that is crazy. So, um, worryingly, I reckon that comes in on that list. That'll come in at three. I don't think it'll do. You think it'll go up to that? I I do.
0: No, it won't get over 244
1: I would not be surprised and I'm the biggest critic of this shit but it would not surprise me if that... I don't think it will get near one and two but that would not surprise me if that goes in at three.
0: It won't be as high as Mayweather and Aaron Chalmers anyway because obviously that was a very popular event which wasn't an empty stadium, etc. On the Paul Fury thing then, I watched it. I was unsurprisingly wrong about the winner once again. I thought Fury looked dog shit. I, I think that they both looked really poor and... I said to you when it happened, you argued the toss with me on that Monday morning. I think Fury comes out of this worse than Paul does just because of the fact that this guy is a complete and utter nobody other than the fact that he's very famous. Nobody in the sense of a boxer. He's been abused by the entire Fury family, by everyone involved. Not a boxer, you're a YouTuber. But that YouTuber's just put down a boxer and has probably given said boxer his hardest fight in his career. That's embarrassing.
1: I flip it a little bit. I mean, I, I said, I thought for you, would win. I've always said that I've been waiting for the point at which Paul, um, as much as I dislike him, I've been very, I have given him credit where credit's due before and said his progression and he, he, he looked like he was learning. He looked like he was dedicated to the sport. For me, all this showed exactly what I was hoping for, hit an absolute glass ceiling. He was awful
0: absolutely now i'm
1: sure the jit has got to him a bit i don't think he looked very loose he didn't maybe look as confident as he's always been he looked like an absolute rank amateur and to be trying to masquerade as a professional boxer was actually offensive to watch how awful jake paul was and he'd had that progression and you had to give him credit there he is for me could be a plenty of other things maybe that you know caught in the limelight a bit but he looked woeful And the gig is up for me. No one now is buying into this. No matter how much dedicated you are, you got shown up. I could have, maybe not at my age, but I could spend 10 hours a day trying to be a boxer, trying to be at anything, playing chess. I'm not going to catch up to people that are professionals that have done that their whole life. This finally proved it. Game over. Fuck off back to YouTube.
0: Which won't happen. Um, I couldn't disagree with you more on that. I think he... 100% 100% percent will get the rematch because it's all about money. I've, I'm sure you were well aware of this by that point. It, the whole thing is about money. You're never going to see Fury go on to win anything. He's got his fake whatever belt it wore, um, the Saudi Arabian belt. He's never going to win a world title. He's clearly not anywhere near that level. People coming out of it saying, uh, I think Aspinall, weirdly enough, came out and said, oh, I think he'll go on to big things in the boxing scene. I'm like, what, what the fuck do you know? Well, there was this slight slight slight
1: side show of the side bet and Paul bet. Oh, you missed but... him
0: you missed you turned it off but you missed him crane at the end. That was the worst thing that any professional I felt box...
1: disgusted that I would I stayed up for that literally <laughs> on a Sunday like to get a nice early Jay night. Fanatic. The moment literally the, co- the scores were read out which I knew what was happening bang straight off didn't give a fuck about the rest of it and I fe- I was just like why I felt I look myself in the mirror and I'm like, what's wrong with me? I've been conned into watching this crap. But um, there was this slight, slight, uh, side angle of the bet. Oh, sign it, sign this and all that. I tell you what, if I were Fury, I'd be saying, all right, it didn't happen this time. Give me the contract. Call it all or nothing this time. Fury wins him, beats him again very, very easily in the rematch for me. No problems.
0: But you, don't, you surely don't think that he beat him easily. He did beat him. Like, I had it 6-2. I would say it lit. really, yeah. No, um, it were. It, I think it easy,
1: was, easy. He were off. all over him. I think he was telegraphed. The only thing that maybe made it look slightly better, and again, you are totally right. I'm and I'm not singing Fury's praises here. It was more I was completely shocked at how poor bad Paul was. But he did, Fury did get put down, sat down on his ass by him, which should be in a complete embarrassment to him. But Fury wins that ten times out of ten for me.
0: My worry in this. Well, the biggest sad takeaway that I've got is that we won't now see Fury fight anyone good. He, he's not going to progress in his boxing career. You said it that, uh, I think you, weirdly enough, you said you're surprised that there wasn't more branding or advertisement for his um, bird, Molly Mays brand. And then, obviously, one of the things that I said to you was, well, actually, it were all over the back of him. It was like some makeup brand or whatever, They're on their robes, etc. Um, there's no way that he becomes a world champion. There's no way that he goes into fighting anyone worthwhile because if he does, he gets absolutely flattened. He's nowhere near the ability that his brother's got. Um, I think he sticks to, if he does fight again, influencer boxing. So you might see him on one of these stupid uh, Misfit, design crossover cards. I think he'll fight Jake Paul again. I can see him just leaving it after that but the, the tears the waterworks the this has been hanging over me for two years in my life you're supposed to be a professional boxer this shouldn't have even been a second thought it should have been as you rightfully said at the very beginning complete walk over yep yeah, banged you out give me someone better now I want to progress but it wasn't and he'll fight him again get loads of money which will be the sad thing about it but then that will be that he won't progress in his career whatsoever as a boxer
1: I mean ultimately what's his ambitions it comes back to to me Does he really have that fire and want to be like his brother and be one of the best ever? I very much doubt so, if you ask me. Does he just want to be a celebrity and have his little time in the limelight and make some money? If I had to guess, obviously don't know the man, only going based on his actions. I would be far more inclined to say the latter. And that will probably tell me, let's be honest, another fight with Jake Paul and beat him again. Neither of those two men all their families would ever have to work again. We are already talking. I'm sure they've made millions. You said about 25 million off the pay-per-view alone. You know, what they've got paid plus the percentage points on that. They do that again. Uh, the only thing for me is I feel... I know I'm very cynical in this way. This ruse about this shit has been broken for me. I am not watching that rematch. No matter what happens, I don't give a fuck. And I feel like anyone, unless you're a 13-year-old child... Professional boxing fans, which I appreciate that. I mean, they even said, "Did you notice on the the BT broadcast? I've never heard that before." The the main anchor that they had in the studio was sort of saying, "I know we've before. got a lot of people yeah. that are not boxing fans and an audience that don't watch." The, that was crazy. So I fully appreciate. There's probably th- that only ten percent of people will be completely turned off by that and say, nah, not for me." But I am no way in the world watching that rematch.
0: I am going to say, I think you're mad if you think that it doesn't do as well, if not better, for the rematch. There'll be people like yourself who'll say, not for me, but because of how it's been hyped up, it's now no longer, oh, is he going to lose? Is he going to win? It's going to be, is he going to get revenge? Is he going to get... It's For all every me
1: that's turned off, there's three nine-year-old kids yeah. that wants to fucking see it because their mates have talked about it and they've got to stay up late on a Sunday. So I know I'm filtering this through my own view, but literally... I felt bad enough that I got suckered into it the first time. No matter what happens, no matter how good that build-up is, no matter how they look, nah. never. I will never, ever watch a Jake Paul fight again, no matter who he fights.
0: Last thing before we go. I can't believe I haven't mentioned this to you before. This weekend, biggest event of the the weekend, without even a question. There's nothing else that's going on on Saturday that's going to compare to this. Misfits Boxing. Series number five, the first ever tag team boxing match between Los Pina Coladas and the fast Fantastic Two. So, I am actually excited to see that. We probably won't see it until the day after, of course, but I am actually actually excited to see what on earth this is about. Are you very excited, also? I'm
1: not remotely interested. The only question I immediately have, and I don't even want to ask because I'm not even that interested, but. How does that work? So, Don't bo- know. how does the tagging work? What happens if you go in and get flatlined straight out before you get the <laughs> chance to tag? Are you allowed to crawl to tag your partner in wrestling style? Like a mockery. I mean, it's as ridiculous as going off on a slight tangent here. It's usually Russian promotions that do this. Have you seen some of the variations of MMA that they've done? No. So, this includes, I'll send you, so we've seen two in the ring at the same time, there's been team MMA which is one I've seen. I'll have to send you some videos for these. Have you seen, my, quite my favourite was parkour MMA. <laughs> so it's like on a playground. Jumping off a... Yeah, it's like shit up and they are chasing people around like that. There's MMA in a telephone box. Seen that one? So that they're in, literally, just two guys in a telephone box trying to fight and choke each other out. They have a insane amount of iterations of MMA, but my favourite was the parkour one and I'll... Maybe I'll, we'll find Hang a video Twitter. and we'll put it on Twitter. But yeah. that one is... It, it basically, like, imagine like it at school. Kids chasing around a playground, trying to beat the fuck out of each other. I mean, but... Tig. Tig. Not stuck in the mud. No,
0: not definitely us. not stuck in the mug, Not, not that um, weird, naughty
1: thing. Yeah, yeah. Side note, but I mean, that I'm intrigued as to how it works. I'm not in, remotely interested in watching it or seeing it. I'll let you know. I'll, I'll let you tell me. Yeah, you can yeah, tell I'll me. I'll let you know. You we'll, can tell I'm me.
0: sure we will talk about That might even be the next... Bonner segment that we have to talk about the because future. It transcends, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I'd fucking love to watch that. Imagine AJ and Tyson Fury in one corner. We have fight like, Wilder and White in other. And they've got like crawl to each other's corners and just punch each other. Maybe in the head. they've
1: got like tied by the ankle by yeah. something like something. Just like put like them something. both
0: in ring at the same time. Yeah, that's scrap. Just have four, four on four way scrap. Four, yeah. two on two. Be right fight. But um, yeah, a bit of a long one this week. Hopefully, you've uh, you've all stuck with us. Thanks very much for listening, as always, and we'll speak to you next week.